see, the older you get, it's not senility, it's maturity that, that says, you know, as you get older and more experienced and mature, your best ideas don't show up where you're going to use them. You'd be buying bread at the store thinking of something you should put in a book. You'd be writing the book and remembering you need bread. You know, so <laughs> come on, you know, a huge waste of your cognitive real estate space. As soon as you're letting yourself have these kind of thoughts more than once, you need to capture them, put them in appropriate places, make the appropriate decisions you need about what they mean, and then organize those appropriately. Feeling anxious, overwhelmed, or burned out by too many tasks and projects and not enough time to do it all? Are you trying to tap into some new creative energy? We've all been there. On today's edition of the Love Journalism Show, we'll be talking with David Allen, an executive coach and management consultant whose book, Getting Things Done, is a global bestseller full of tips on overcoming those challenges and being a more productive person. I'm really excited to bring David to you all today. Welcome to the Love Journalism Show. Thanks, Darren. Delighted to be here. I love journalism. I've got great journalist friends and yay, happy to be of any support that I can. I discovered your work about 15 years ago. Um, I was pursuing the campus bookstore at my alma mater, the University of Missouri, um, and you were on the syllabus for journalism undergraduates. Um, and on a whim, I bought a copy and, and really I did find some amazing success right away in getting myself more focused while facing you know, the onslaught of daily deadlines back during the Bush era. Um, and I wished right away it had been a, uh, around a decade earlier in the, in the 90s and assigned to my class. <laughs> I, wish I'd, I wish I'd have had it before I wrote it. <laughs> you know, yeah, it would have been uh, useful. <laughs> your, your audience obviously is the world at large, but, but if you could tell me, how do you think your work uh, can help journalists and journalism? Well, my work create, gives you more space. doesn't give you more time. gives you more room. You don't need more time. There is no more time. Right. Time just is. It's an important factor, but it just is. You can't change it. What you change is how you're focused during the time you have and that you feel confident about that. But a lot of your confidence is undermined is undermined when you're distracted. You're sitting down trying to write something or trying to come up with something to write. You know, and that's like the it's like staring at a blank piece of paper until drops of blood show up on your forehead. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so uh how do you get the room in your head so you're not distracted by I need cat food or I need a life or should we adopt or I need tires on my car? Oh, my God. But what about that deadline? And what's coming up next week? Yada, yada, yada. And most people have all that stuff banging around in their head. Your head's just a really crappy office. And so I discovered 40 years ago that your head is for having ideas, not for holding them. So most people have a lot of problems because they're trying to use their head as an office. But it wasn't designed for that. You know, I discovered that the principle just experientially years ago, but now in the last decade, the cognitive scientists have basically proven the number of things you could hold in your head to remember, remind, prioritize, or manage relationships is four. As soon as you have more than four, you, you're, you're going to sub-optimize your cognitive ability. Translate that to writing. You're not going to be smart as you could be if your head's clear. You know, you're not going to be as creative as you could be if you're distracted by stuff keeps banging around in your in your brain back there because that part of your head people put stuff in their head they don't realize it has no sense of past or future so you could be reminded about dog food you need at 3 a.m in the morning as well as you know should i get divorced or not <laughs> and somehow in your head 
those things tend to take up about the same amount of space. So a lot of what I discovered was how do I externalize all this stuff so I have a lot more clarity in my head no matter what I'm doing. So it's about creating the space to do that. You know, I got into all this because I, you know, got had a good bit of experience in the martial arts and meditation and spiritual practices where I discovered the practicality of a clear space in your head. Nowadays, I mean, it's quite popular. It's all the mindfulness stuff and all that going on. Yay. Well, I learned focus on your breathing when I was getting a black belt in karate 40 years ago. You know, <laughs> you know, if you have four people jump in a dark alley, you don't want 2,000 unprocessed emails somehow hanging onto your psyche. You know, you need to be clear. You need to be present. You need to be available and ready for surprise. And so you need to be ready for the surprise that's going to show up because, as you probably know, Darren, the muse is fickle. She comes in and then goes out. If you don't grab it while it's there, <laughs> good luck. You know, she'll go find somebody else to give that to. Mm-hmm. You know, so having the ability to both capture stuff as it shows up, as well as being able to then maintain clear space. So you've got a, you know, wide open thing. You know, when I wrote Getting Things Done, my first book, uh, you know, as my wife would tell you, I almost became an alcoholic trying to think that I could, you know, it's funny writing a book about stress-free productivity, you know, was one of the most stressful things I ever did. You know, because I was working more than full-time, doing seminars all day, meeting with clients in the morning for breakfast, and then doing an all-day seminar, standing up, and then having drinks with clients afterwards, and then being on a plane for two hours, thinking I could write the next chapter. (laughs) Who are you kidding? (laughs) So it took me quite a while to learn. I needed at least four or five hours of clear, open space to be able to get back in my groove. If I didn't do that, then I stepped on my own toes. I kept rewriting things I shouldn't be rewriting you know, and, and fumbling over myself. So discovering how much sort of a, of a window of time I needed to be able to focus appropriately and then being able to make sure I had a clear enough head so I could focus and wasn't distracted. So there's a, maybe a short version of a, of a bit of a longer story about, you know, my advice, you know, for people trying to be creative in terms of writing or thinking. And by the way, <laughs> thinking is hard work. Ask any writer. In the news business, it's maybe harder than and than most. Uh, the the pings, the dings, every notification on your phones is going off on a regular basis. You have twenty four seven cable, you know, on in the corner. Um, you know, editors screaming, deadlines coming at you. How how can you apply your practices um, in the real world where again the the news never stops? You need to have a filter. You need to, and what's going to create that filter is how focused are you on what you're trying to do and how important are all those channels? I mean, channel creep is a huge issue these days. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, I've got Slack. I've got Asana. I've got, uh, I have these 14 apps that I can use for writing this stuff. It's like, oh my God. So, you know, being able to create a filter and limiting um, what's critical for you, what's strategic. Mm-hmm you know, for you to be paying attention to. Now, there's nothing wrong with diddling around with stuff just because sometimes that's the best way to let your brain relax. So I'll go play words with friends just as kind of let my brain relax to keep it active. But it's a way to get away from what I'm doing to give me a little more space, whatever. Because one of the things we know now in the cognitive sciences have validated is that your brain needs rest. You can only focus. If you're trying to focus on writing some new thing you're trying to write, 
about four hours a day is about all you can do before your that muscle wears out. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and it needs rest, it needs to be able to rest. So again, another reason for space is give you space to do nothing. Go walk the dog. Go walk through the. Go walk through your park during the pandemic. You know, just just zone out. That's critical. You know, they know now that uh, you know if you're trying to solve a problem, it's best to sleep on it. Just because the unconscious part of your mind then bypasses your conscious conditioning and allows you to create connections you wouldn't create otherwise. But you have to have some intention. I need to write this article about X Y Z. How do I structure this? Go to sleep. And then let that archive part of your brain sort of knit that together and then wake up. You might be surprised with what you come up with. Hmm. Of course, I think by writing. Now, I don't know that everybody does that, but I just boot computer, butt in chair, hit keys and start generating, you know, crappy first draft. As you know, it's the best way to write anything. Editing is really the art. And writing usually for me, I find writing a draft going to sleep, coming back at it the next day, uh, that fresh brain uh, can do wonders. You know, that's one thing I learned, Darren, and maybe this is some tips for some of you, is to give myself a false deadline about three days ahead of when I promised to deliver something. The reason was, when before I did that, I would write at till the very end and send it in of the deadline, and then two days later go, oh, shit, God, I should have said. Mm-hmm. Right. There were, and so I discovered, I discovered to create a false deadline so that then it gave me time to sleep on it and let some other spin, usually more strategic, more interesting, more creative spin on what I was writing would show up after mm-hmm. I sort of did the, did the draft. So maybe that's helpful. I don't know if that works for everybody, but it certainly worked for me. Let's back up for a second. And I guess, uh, one of the first principles of your book and, and what you talk about is to sort of do a brain dump, get everything out of your head and onto paper. Journalists are renowned uh, for writing things down. We, we probably keep more notebooks than most uh, full of stuff. But why is this helpful? Why do you start with just getting everything out uh, of your head and onto a piece of paper? Well, it's because of what I said. If, you, if it's just in your head, you know, you're going to potentially lose it or it's only going to come back at random, awkward moments for you when, as opposed to when you actually could use that information. And not only that, it's taking up cognitive real estate that then is not available for other stuff. That's why it's helped for brainstorming just to sit down and unload because that then leaves room. If you don't unload that stuff, you're going to unload, keep spinning in there. It doesn't give you room for whatever the new idea is or the new idea about the stuff you unloaded, which is probably more critical to be able to see larger context of things. So just doing a core dump, you know, of all the stuff, good, bad, indifferent ideas or whatever. I learned, you know, when I started writing, getting things done, I, I was experimenting with some of the writing software, the writing apps out there. And even just using Word, you know, that has its own outlining function. Too complex, <laughs> too many clicks, too many. <laughs> so what I did was, duh, I created two documents. One was an outline. And the other was just text so that I, all my brainstorming, I could throw into the outline doc, wherever it might go, just crazy ideas down at the bottom or whatever. And then uh, when I was in text writing mode, I would go to my text document and just start writing. But that, I could then go back and forth between my outline that had a lot of my brainstorming ideas and then, you know, and then create the text, you know, both in terms of context as well as which next text, you know, to be writing, you know, that I should work on. 
And I found that worked extremely well. If I was doing another book, you know, solo, that's exactly how I do it. I just create two word docs. But that, I don't know if that works for everybody. You know, I know my buddy Jim Fallows has found you know great writing software and apps you know that 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 support that whole process. Uh, I'm just not that you know mm. writing is not my day job. Mm. I, I mean, since you wrote your book, there have been all manner of technologies that have come to the fore uh, to to help us with uh, our productivity. I mean, you know, you mentioned Asana. Um, smart brevity. I mean, even just the the dictation software on our phones has gotten so much better um, that we can take notes sure. while we're walking down the street. What what are the one or two uh, you know new technological innovations over the last 10, 15 years that you found to be actually helpful uh, that that have lined up with uh, with where you're going? Not much. Can't beat Word. Mm-hmm. Can't beat you know. And again, I don't have that much stuff. Uh, you know, we migrated to Office 365, so you know, I use OneNote for just capturing all kinds of ideas. I have a whole OneNote thing of of essays to edit, essays to record, essays already recorded. You know, no big deal. Just a way to sort of organize where is my different thinking and the different kinds of thinking I need to be doing. So I don't have I don't have that complex in life. You know, coming on be seventy eight this year, so you know, I'm already kind of past my real busy time though i still have tons of stuff to do probably the rest of my life i got plenty of stuff that i can keep reformatting and repurposing and rethinking and you know adding value out there in some way shape or form and again social media has been gobbling up my stuff like crazy so you know i have an avenue out there where i can keep thinking keep talking keep doing my stuff so but for the most part you know, the main thing is capturing ideas. So I just use low tech pen and paper. You know, I carry around a little notepad with me, you know, wherever I go. And oftentimes I get a good idea. I have no idea whether the idea is really going to be good. But when I had the idea, I thought it might be. And so, you know, that's the capture. That's step one. That's the capture process called anything that might potentially be relevant somewhere. Now, ultimately, once you go through step two and three, and that's where a lot of our, a lot of journalists are probably falling down, is they're not then dealing with the notes they take you know, appropriately, and so they're just accumulating huge journals of stuff, and then so what, you know, and then all that stuff kind of creeps back on their head, and they lose it. So you need to then you need to have the freedom to capture without organizing or prioritizing, and then you need to have the discipline to then go back and say, okay, what what do I need to do to get rid of that note? Is that reference material? Do I need to put that into just a folder just called crazy ass ideas? You know, that I might want to use at some point. No, really. Say, okay, well, what category does that thought fit into? Is that a restaurant somebody recommended? Is that, you know, something I might want to put in my next book? Something right, I might want to add to, as an appendix to this book? You know, come on. You know, God knows how many different things one might think of in some random moments out there. But they tend to show up in random moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well as once you sit down and start to focus on things, and then that also creates a lot of creativity as well. Uh, so I'm always open. See, the older you get, it's not senility, it's maturity that, that says, you know, as you get older and more experienced and mature, your best ideas don't show up where you're going to use them. You'll be buying bread at the store thinking of something you should put in a book. You'll be writing the book and remembering you need bread. You know, so <laughs> come on, you know, a huge waste of your cognitive real estate space. As soon as you're letting yourself have these kind of thoughts more than once, you need to capture them, put them in appropriate places, make the appropriate decisions you need about what they mean. 
and then organize those appropriately. So that that's, you know, I didn't make up the methodology I came up with. I just recognized it. That's what you do if you want to stay in your zone. And I just recognized that because I discovered it for myself and then turned around and started using it with the, my consulting clients. I started my consulting business 40 years ago. And it produced the same results for them, more space, more room to think strategically, more room to think about, you know, creative stuff. And I went, wow, that's cool. So that just became my business. And then, you know, the world kind of shut up at my door and asked me to write the book about it. Why is it necessary to look at things when you're when you're taking on a bigger project um, in particular? And, and journalists are always kind of thinking about you know, the big projects that they can be working on while they're covering their daily deadlines. Why is it necessary when you've got some big aspirational uh, idea project to be breaking it down into into actual manageable, sizable chunks of doable, doable physical things? Depends on how important it is that you move on it, that you make progress on it. it. What do you need to do to get that off your mind? See, it could be a someday maybe idea. Someday maybe is a very creative place. That's a book I might want to write. That's an article I might want to write. And it's very good to then organize that category as such. So you don't feel pressured that you have to then come up with something about it other than reviewing that regularly to see if you're ready to activate it or not. If you've decided to activate it, then yes, you need to decide what's the next thing I might need to do to move the needle on this. If you haven't, then you haven't finished your thinking about it. And if you haven't finished your thinking about it, some part of you will be bothered by it. A lot of people are as stressed by their to-do list as as not having one, simply because their to-do list is nothing but an incomplete list of still unclear stuff. Mom, article for The Atlantic. You know, great. So what are you going to do about it? What's next? Oh, yeah, you know. That search the web. Is it uh, talk to your life partner? Is it talk to an editor? You know, what's next? If, I, if you had nothing to do but that, where would I see you go physically and visibly? What would I see you do? And if you haven't made a, that decision, and by the way, that's a decision most people avoid like the plague. I can tell you that from thousands of hours I spent with some of the best and brightest on the planet who just have avoided making next action decisions about the things that have their attention. And that's sitting there constipated in their brain about all that stuff because they didn't, there are decisions they haven't finished and, and, and organization they haven't completed thinking they haven't completed simply by being reminded of something that they haven't done that yet. So I just figured out what the cognitive algorithm was that you, there's a thinking process that you have to actually have to apply. It's like a cognitive muscle Darren. So I don't know if you learned to think next action and outcome, but outcome and next action are the whole productivity zeros and ones. What are we trying to accomplish? What's the next step? Right. So by the way, in terms of if you're sitting down to write what, what would what would done look like here? Look, sound, or feel like this will be wildly successful if what's true. That's the first thing I wrote when I decided to write getting things done was the reviews. Hmm. You're an investigate. Imagine you're an investigative journalist, or you're someone who has a tip, and it involves rabbit holes. You know, getting pulled into this or getting pulled into that, yeah. and you don't know where you're going to come out on the other side. What? What kind of advice or, or how would you um, advise someone who's, you know, entering into very unfamiliar terrain, but kind of needs to let the terrain dictate where, where they're going to go? 
keep going. It all has to do with what you're doing. How important is it to you? Got other stuff that's more important than that? Or you want to give yourself freedom to just run down those rabbit holes? They're fine. And I do that oftentimes. So, hey, crazy idea. Let me go run down that one and see what happens. So all that really depends on what you're doing, where you're going, what commitments you have. You know, if you're independently wealthy and got all the time and the place, space in the world, you can give yourself as much time as you want. You know, think about anything. If you got to pay the rent this week, you know, and you got to turn that thing in so that you get your little royalty check or whatever you're getting for it, then you got a whole different game that you need to play, you know, about how much freedom do you want to give yourself to run down, you know, all kinds of stuff. So, you know, What's whatever, you know, I've got a new book coming out. I've been co-authoring it with my, my, my buddy in the UK. And, you know, we share a one note uh, folder with each other with the current version of the draft. And we just got our feed, first feedback from our editor, Penguin. And, you know, we got some more stuff to do. Not much, but, you know, we still need to bang that back and forth. And all that has shown up after a year and a half that we've been working on this. And we just had a way to capture all the harebrained, strange, what do we do with this? Let's capture it. And then later on, decide how we want to configure it together. So, you know, we didn't have a really hard, uh, hard stop deadline other than our contracts as first draft is due the end of January. And but that was a year and a half ago. You know, so we had all that time to be able to have enough time to run down all the different you know, rabbit trails and capture as many things as might be relevant to all this, which is you know, quite useful and productive. Hmm. That makes sense. I mean, it does. Absolutely. In the reporting process, you end up finding all manner of uh, material that ends up becoming color or, or it ends up in a story or it leads to a new story or another story um, or to new sources. So that is indeed sure. the, uh, the joys of being a reporter. Uh, you talk about weekly reviews um, and, you know, ending ending uh, a seven day work period with uh, taking stock of, of everything that you kind of got on your plate. I wonder if you could talk about the upsides of, of doing that. I know it's the kind of idea that sounds great, um, but to actually, you know, execute it on Friday at two o'clock or whatever day and, you know, rather than and running, you know, uh, turning off your computer and, and shutting down for the week. What's so important about uh, stopping and, and assessing where you where you've been and where you're going? Yeah, same way. What's important about stopping thinking about what you're eating for your health, stopping thinking about what you're doing with your relationships and how you're doing with all that. It's all about stepping back and kind of lifting up a little higher horizon so you can, you know, you can locate yourself more in space and time. Anybody who's ever looked at their calendar to see what happened this last week and what's coming up for the next two weeks automatically has done that. You sort of lifted yourself up out of the day-to-day -day spin and said, okay, where am I in space and time? So it's that kind of review, which is, you know, very few people, even if you review your calendar, that's rare <laughs> for most people. They just let, have it eat them up the next day. They forgot to look at Monday's calendar and, oh, my God, I missed the meeting. You know, and, you know, <laughs> once you implement my methodology where everything's out of your head, all the actions and all of your projects are out in front of you, being able to review that and keep that current sort of bringing up the rear guard on a weekly basis. Because, you know, I don't stay organized every minute, every day. Come on, life moves too fast. Too many things going on. I just need to make sure I can't let it go past about seven or eight days before I bring it all up and catch up. As soon as you, if you let it go beyond that, it goes, that's like never writing your mom anymore because too much has happened. That should be too much to do if you sat down to try to write her, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> so <laughs> it's like the same thing about your own life. You know, you sort of pull up the, you know, pull yourself up, come back to what showed up this week. Oh God, that reminds me The catch all the OSs. The, oh shoot. Yeah. <laughs> I should have. Oh, they told me. Oh, I said I would. Oh, yeah. And catching up with all those things to be able to help to keep your office clear in your head. You know, that's just absolutely critical. You know, and I've coached executives for 40 years and thousands of hours. And I, every, every one of them who finally started to implement a weekly review. And that means like one to two hours where you just close the door and don't let any more inputs disturb you and catch up get your list current, get your thinking current or whatever. And you don't have to do a big deal of just anytime sit down and think about hmm, what happened. And the review and reflection process can happen just at night. You sit down, you know, sometimes my best thinking goes on at night once the dogs have poop, peed and pooped and they're in bed with my wife and, you know, and I'm, you know, close off all my, my electronic gear and I'm sitting there with a glass of wine. Sometimes that's when my best ideas show up. So I just need to make sure I can capture have <laughs> my little notepad that I can capture those ideas when they happen, but not make myself have those ideas. I just, again, it's that relaxation of time, that time for reflection, a time for thinking of nothing so that the real things may show up to think about. And so building that in, that just maturity, you know, you'll learn. You know, people ask me, well, David, how, how do I do that better? I go, don't worry. It's happening automatically. It's called get older. <laughs> <laughs> and no one will stop that. Yeah. Uh, what's the upside of knowing the worst case scenarios? So that you're not afraid of it. Know what the worst case is and say, could I deal with it? Could I handle it? As soon as you go, yes, I could. Then you get to relax about that and not be distracted by, oh, my God, what if? What's the best case scenario if, uh, you know, someone reads your book and tries to implement everything? <laughs> they wind up transforming their life in a whole different game. And believe me, I work with a lot of people that look like they don't need their life transformed. They're already some of the most productive people you'd ever meet and creative. It's just they run out of room. So, you know, I worked with one guy, probably one of the most productive people by anybody's standards you would ever meet. And his issue, presenting issue was, he said, David, I wake up in the morning with million dollar ideas. I just don't know where to put them or what to do with them. So he just ran out of room. Mm. So, you know, best case would be, uh, have you totally maximized the strategic vision you have, where you're going, how you're managing that? And that's when people really implement this stuff. And, you know, you don't have to believe me, just we got thousands and thousands of testimonials for some of the best and brightest that would tell you, wow. And you don't have to implement all of this stuff that's in my book. Come on, if you just write down a few more things than you would normally write down, if you just make next action decisions about a few more of the things a little sooner than later, you know, you'll be ahead of the game. So it's not like running with scissors. But if somebody, you ask best case, Hmm. Pretty profound. David Allen, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Uh, really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the Love Journalism Show. Uh, you're welcome, Darren. Thanks. It was fun.